Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey guys, welcome back to the Fuel Better podcast. This is episode four, and I am your host, Evan Lynch. Today, we are going to be looking at why athletes feel the need to look a certain way to be a certain weight this is a pretty interesting topic one i think you're going to enjoy before we get into the episode i just want to let you know that in june i am taking on some online clients there are still one or two spots left if you think you might be interested get in touch or register your interest via my instagram bio there's a link there so two spots left if you think you might like to work with me, um, get in touch and we can have a chat. So without further ado, let's get into this week's podcast episode. Hello guys and welcome into episode 4 of the Fuel Better podcast. This one is going to be an interesting one and it's something that's pretty close to my, my own heart. It's uh, something I would have struggled with as an athlete and it's a conversation I have on almost a daily basis, to be perfectly honest, as most of my clientele, they're either looking to lose weight, they're looking to improve their performance, or they are actually elite, Olympic, professional, high-level athletes. So I have, a, I have a wide range of clientele. But wanting to lose weight, wanting to be lean, wanting to appear to be very physically fit, or have little to no body fat that's a pretty desirable trait for anybody really um you know all you have to do is flick through instagram flick through facebook look at even look at marketing like how do they sell things like shampoo toothpaste they get models you know it's uh sex sells i guess is the best way to think about it and in this world where aesthetics are currency almost, it makes sense that you're going to want to look uh, aesthetically pleasing by any means necessary. And that's really the, the crux of this. It's the means of getting lean, how you do it, why you do it. That's really what has the effect on the athlete or the person. So just I kind of encapsulated the first point I wanted to make there. And that point is that virtuousness is assigned to leanness. And that's a pretty blunt statement. That's pretty on the nose. But I read in a research paper recently that uh, one of the main drivers for people looking to achieve long-term weight loss was to have a better likelihood of getting a, a job promotion, which is insane. You know, you wouldn't think or at least you wouldn't hope that these things are related or even relevant but from a cultural point of view it's pretty endemic that we treat those who are leaner better uh, which is horrible and all you have to do is as i said flick through social media 
And if there's marketing tools being used or if a fit pro is trying to sell you something, you can be sure as fuck that it's not going to be, you know, just a, a picture of food or some like uh, open source image. It's going to be some ripped lad or lady holding a chicken salad trying to tell you this is what you can be. They're selling you what you feel is the ideal body. And, and that kind of leads into the next point I wanted to make. That is what we're told. This is ideal. This is what we should look like. This is what we should strive to be. So leanness is associated with a higher social status, or at least that's what people think. I can assure you from personal experience that, you know, <laughs> if you have social anxiety or you're not great at house parties, doesn't matter how lean you get, you're still awkward and you still say silly things or whatever when you go to a house party it doesn't matter what you look like if you have problems the only thing that's different is you're slightly lighter or you have less body fat that's about it um but that's not what people think that's not what we're told we're told no no listen get lean all your problems will go away because that's what it looks like and again I fucking i hate before and after pictures i um did a recent podcast episode on it and i will never ever post up a before and after picture you can flick through my socials you won't see one and i rarely post up pictures of myself topless either to be honest not because i'm not in shape i'm in okay shape um it's just not what i'm about you know i think there's more to people than just weight loss than just being lean and i don't want to sell people the idea of listen join my fucking coaching program and and you'll get lean and because you've lost weight you'll be so much happier you'll you'll even have somehow developed a tan and your the lighting in your house will be much much better and you'll get a new job and all that like i've i've seen people recreate this experiment where they take a before and after picture but five hours apart and you know they've just they've gone to the bathroom they've avoided really eating or drinking anything and they changed the lighting and um, changed their top and they're smiling and maybe they're clean shaven the difference is huge so you know those before and after pictures whilst I understand why people use them they're very effective they play with our emotions and they sell us the ideal versions of ourselves and that kind of feeds into all of this and it's one way that social media can become a bit of an echo chamber because everyone wants to be the best version of themselves everyone wants to be leaner everybody wants to look like Zac Efron in Baywatch um at least lads do anyway maybe maybe not uh not the ladies I don't have any female aesthetic role models off the top of my head um you get my point I think I hope but basically what I'm trying to say here is that it doesn't take long and it doesn't take a long time to develop this perception because that's all you're bombarded with pretty much everywhere you look. And if we focus in and zoom on athletes in particular, athletes tend to be in shape. Athletes tend to be lean. They tend to be competitive. If you're a high level athlete, percentages matter. And if we look at the clear sporting benefits of having little body fat, I would be lying if I said they weren't there. You absolutely have a better exercise economy. So take a runner. Your running economy is much better. 
there's less impact on your joints. If you're a cyclist and you can shift off four or five kilos of extra body fat, your watts per kilos go through the roof. Uh, VO2 max is predicated on body weight. You have the same lungs, you lose the body fat, those lungs are powering less of you effectively. Um, all of these things do impact performance. Even something like heat, lighter athletes have a bigger surface area comparatively to their body mass, so they can wick away sweat better and keep cooler. It's kind of like a, um, an athlete version of why foxes in hot countries have massive ears. They're like cooling vents. Anyways, I'm kind of gone a bit off topic there. But what I'm trying to say is, yes, having minimum body fat can confer additional benefits to an athlete if you're trying to look at high level sports or if you're looking at margins. But, big but, pardon the pun, <laughs> I'm only joking, but if you are a four hour marathon runner or if you are just beginning to get into sports, perhaps, perhaps before you start obsessing with calorie counting, watching your portions, fasting, doing fad diets, taking uh, thermoregulatory capsules or high dose caffeines or capsaicin to boost your metabolism, whatever that means, um, perhaps just be consistent first tick the boxes, sleep properly, show up and train hard. That would be much more conducive to success. And that can be hard to do. And I have athletes of all levels um, concerned about this. Like there's, there's one cyclist I'm working with. He's probably going to be on this podcast in the coming weeks. He's based over on the continent and he is in the single digits of body fat. And every day... Every day his coach is on to him. Why you are not losing weight? We must have you losing weight. Why you can't lose more weight? You'll be so much faster. And he's trying to be pushed into uh, very restrictive diets, weird things with carbohydrate windows, like things that would blow your fucking mind. It's just madness. But that's his boss effectively. That's the man who lets him on the team for races. He's his ticket to a Tour de France. Hopefully one day that's where this guy is likely headed. So it's just part of the culture. It's considered normal for a cyclist on the continent to have that kind of pressure, particularly in France, Spain and Italy. That's quite endemic there. But then on the other end of the spectrum, I've heard of running coaches here in Ireland just kind of make sideways passes at athletes and say things like, listen, you need to lose a bit of weight. And they could be just like, you know, training for an adventure race or to do a local 10k and the coach is on to them about weight that's nuts that's not a conversation that needs to be had for the most part and it, it frustrates me when it's a conversation that's brought up by someone who doesn't really understand the sensitive nuances of the topic and can't help them do it so it's uh you know watch what's your wording around those things if you are a coach just think about how you how you uh, phrase that kind of stuff to an athlete and maybe how an athlete might perceive that. But there are sporting benefits to losing weight. That's uh, that's not really up for negotiation. Like That's just evidently true. But where we get into the weeds with this, it's what do you do to achieve that weight loss? And I have seen like every method under the sun, including the consequences. So if we, you know, reverse back a little bit to uh, first year physics 
the first law of thermodynamics, energy cannot be created nor destroyed. What that essentially means is to lose weight, it doesn't just disappear if you say some prayers or drink skinny tea or do something like that. You have to be in a calorie deficit because to burn energy, you physically make heat. So that's that's usually where the energy goes, it's heat. If you looked at thermal imaging, you are hotter than the environment around you because you're constantly breaking down ATP, fatty acids, glucose to make energy. So you get heat. Um, so that, that that's just to outline the fact that you need to be in that energy deficit. So you need to expend more energy than you take in to lose weight. You've heard this before. This is not new to you. Uh, everybody knows this to a degree. So why isn't it that simple? Like, you know, if we know this, why isn't everyone losing weight? Well, that's not a very clear picture. So if we start off with that baseline that, yep, you got to be in a calorie deficit to lose weight. Off the top of my head, here are a couple of things that model that picture. Number one, to figure out what a calorie deficit looks like for you, we must first figure out what your maintenance calories are. And here's a few sources of error with that. Equations to check your basal metabolic rate, your RMR, they're typically pretty inaccurate. You can be up to 10% either way. And typically speaking, the more trained you are, the more efficient your mitochondria are at doing metabolism. So it's it's unlikely that those um, equations are going to be on the money day one. So that's that's the first part. So basal metabolic rate is the energy you simply need to survive and do the basic human functions. But you do more than that during the day. So how do we factor in your activity levels? Do we count your steps? Are you moderately active, lightly active, very active? How do we delineate those things? How do we assign a physical activity level? Is your Garmin correct when it comes to telling you how many calories you burned in training? Are you less active than you think? For example, after you do your two hour long run, six hour cycle, do you then do gardening, go do the groceries, hoover the floor, or are you horizontal on the couch all day? These are just devil's advocate questions, just to show you that even with my own clients, when we start with them, I'll tell them, it's like, listen, you know, this is what's likely to be in the ballpark of your maintenance calories. Let's see how you react to these things. So we tweak and tweak and tweak, and that can take up to a month before we find what I call the tipping point. So at that tipping point, it's this highest calorie level. So I only do small deductions. So it's the highest calories at which someone starts losing weight consistently. The reason we do that is because that's a safe way to do it. We're not forcing anybody into severe deficits. We're not giving an athlete energy um, restrictions we're not giving them low energy availability or poor glycogen availability all of those things are pretty serious side effects which we'll get into in a minute but if you start and you know if you don't really have a nutrition background or you're not very objective and even to be honest if you do have a nutrition background you can't coach yourself I'm pretty liberal with and lenient with myself in a way I wouldn't be with clients that's just human nature if I ever was to seriously look at doing like getting myself to four or five percent body fat, I would be getting a source of accountability. And that's not just because I don't know what I'm doing. That's common. And that's something that people who are self-aware enough to know that, you know, 
in your brain you're your own worst employee and you're a horrible boss at the same time it's hard to make yourself do things without an external source of accountability i'm gone off topic again god damn it <laughs> so i'll get i'll get back on point that's what you want to do to lose weight you want to do it in a controlled way you don't want to just say hmm i'm going to lose weight so i'm not going to have any carbs today and i don't know why i'm not going to do that i'm just not going to do it or during my long session today i'm just not going to eat anything or i'm going to do it fasted or i'm going to go on a low carb diet because if you burn fat you lose fat right uh -uh, incorrect you are wrong my friend calorie deficit remember that's what it all boils down to so a couple of things that are relevant to a calorie deficit what you fill those calories with to a degree doesn't matter if you decide to go vegan paleo ketogenic plant-based whatever those things aren't the driving factor behind any weight loss you see it's the calorie deficit you don't have to take um, metabolic boosting supplements typically what happens is your metabolism is tightly controlled if you take things like capsaicin or caffeine that spike your metabolism it actually just has a negative feedback loop and slows down anyway a lot can happen in three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. You don't want to do that. Doing things like ice baths or compensatory training. Um also pretty irrelevant timing your food again pretty irrelevant from a strictly weight loss point of view i haven't talked about variations in insulin resistance and things like cholesterol and that all of which are big topics and important by themselves if you're looking at what diet am i going to pick how am i going to eat for example if i have all of my food in one big portion in the day will that help with weight loss it might but you're also going to give yourself severe hyperglycemia and you're going to have such a big portion that number one there's a good chance you're going to have some some sort of tummy upset and your liver is just going to be pacing out triglycerides and cholesterol from the size of the portion you just had you train outside of that you're almost always going to be in an energy deficiency state so your recovery can be impaired performance rate of perceived exertion all those things can be impaired if you're like most people who do a ketogenic diet, what you're going to find is that <laughs> you do it wrong. So you have bulletproof coffee, you have eggs just coated in coconut oil, and you see it as a badge or kind of a hall pass to eat all the butter you want. That's great, bro. Yeah, you're technically in ketosis, but your LDL cholesterol is twice what it should be. And as a result you're much more likely to have type 2 diabetes and a heart attack over the next 15-20 years. I would... So, 
first point the modality doesn't matter people tend to get caught up in the weeds there and they start arguing this intervention over that intervention it all boils down to calories as an athlete you want to have the highest carb intake possible to promote proper recovery good performance and training good immune health good gut health literally name a thing and it's probably going to help it you want to make sure your protein is nice and adequate and possibly above that 1.6 grams per kilogram mark if you're going to be in an energy deficit think of it as muscle insurance that would be a good way to conceptualize that and then you're going to want to watch your fat intake fat is the least satiating of the macronutrients i'm not suggesting no or low fat i'm just saying not all of the fat those are just some general heuristics um but i hope you get my point if you're not actually having an objective measure or trying to have an objective measure as to what your day one baseline calories should be, you're probably going to miss the mark. You're probably going to see short-term weight loss if we try a fad or one of those stabs in the dark because odds are you're going to consume less than 1,500 calories a day. That's what I see. You'll get short-term weight loss, like very short-term. You'll crash, you'll burn, you'll binge, you'll repeat the cycle and you'll keep gaining, losing and regaining the same two to five kilos depending on your level of extremeness. If this sounds common, listen up. Maybe you need help. Maybe you just need to give yourself some time, figure out a higher, more likely baseline calories and simply tweak as you go. So react to how you react. Don't assume your body is going to react in a certain way. Human physiology and the variables when it comes to energy output, exercise economy, you cannot account for that in an equation. My fitness pal cannot do that for you. That's quite a complicated number to uh, deduce. So that's weight loss. That's how you do it healthily, smart, start to the highest, most likely intake, and then be cautious dropping so you never just decide right 500 calorie drop here here we go i always am hesitant to take calories away from people and i assume that there's something going wrong first before we drop again the best diet is the one you can do with the highest calorie intake so if i have a client who's stalled on a weight loss we look at okay has your activity level dropped are you tracking accurately? Are you forgetting things? Are you eating differently on the weekend? Do you know that drinks have calories in them or condiments even? There's all those things. Are you picking off someone else's plate and not logging it? Like I've done this exercise with some clients in the last few weeks and like the oversights are pretty shocking. And generally speaking, when you get someone to take an objective measure, they're always very surprised at what they're actually consuming and how much and particularly how much junk food you know we have these biases in our minds that no no i eat very well i don't pick i have a fantastic diet and um yeah they're usually wrong those biases are usually usually wrong you are in all likelihood not as healthy as you think you are and if the opposite is true if you assume your diet is awful and you're a health conscious person it's probably not as bad as you think just just fyi bit of a side tangent there so why is it athletes are more prone to being concerned about how they look well i mean look at the olympics 
you know, look at the world championships, look at the Tour de France. Most of the people I work with are in the endurance realm or in some of the disciplines in track and field or boxing or rowing, high level sports, sports that have, uh, I suppose, a hierarchy. And if you look at the top, the top guys or girls, they're all incredibly fit because they're professional athletes. That is then the reference standard for everybody else. If you're a beginner, I don't look like Mo Farah. I don't look like the O'Donovan brothers. I don't look like Katie Taylor. Therefore, I need, you know, I need to progress here. I have work to do. Or maybe I'm just not as dedicated or as disciplined as, as these people. You often miss the point that between you and them is 10 to 20 years of graft. 10 to 20 years of pushing themselves of ticking the boxes and of doing the boring stuff really really well and that's all it is it's not that um you're not able to do this or you're not a good athlete or a good person even it's just you need to do the boring stuff very well for a very long time to look like a professional athlete the reality of professional sports is it's quite dull it looks exotic because you see the highlight reel of all the nice places they go and maybe out, out the side of an airplane window or the hot training camps but that's less than one percent okay i know this for a fact it's less than one percent of the reality um but people don't really care about that so again go back to teenage athletes flicking through social media looking up to their heroes or whatever you as an athlete if that's how you identify you want to be like your heroes you want to be in that group you know you want to be accepted and validated by those in your peer group so what do you do you want to look lean you want to show people you're lean you want to show people your hashtag healthy lifestyle and how hardcore you are and that's how you get accepted i know that's a bit of a you know some people are thinking what am i talking about but you know have you ever taken a picture of a healthy meal or yourself out training or at a race or a medal that you've won those are all done in an attempt to uh, you know showcase your identity and fit into a peer group so that the people who do the same thing as you accept you that's all that is very very common so i'm talking 25 minutes at this stage so i'm not i'm not going to talk too too much longer but the general gist okay you probably could do it losing weight most people can do it losing one or two kilos and if you're training recreationally or you're doing exercise for fun and you do have excess body fat it's okay it's not a reflection of you as a person body fat is an active endocrine organ it does have an inflammatory effect on things local to it so your bowels and your your main organs and that and it can increase your risk of high cholesterol and diabetes so from a health perspective losing weight will benefit you it doesn't make you a better person but there are health benefits associated with weight loss you can be metabolically healthy if you've got extra body fat it's just harder to do if you're already pretty lean so you know you're mid-teens perhaps all you need to do is tighten up on one or two things don't have a snap reaction don't do stupid shitty things to lose weight get some help get some oversight and do it in a smart way do it professionally to help get those extra percentage points um there is a element of you know how far should you push this and i've met this crossroads with some athletes where you know they're already lean and 
I'm hesitant about making them or pushing them to lose more weight and they're adamant to do it. So you say, right, okay, look, we can try it. We'll do it in a controlled way and at the first sign of a negative reaction or side effect, we pair it back and stop. So what, what would those things look like? Well, if it's energy deficiency or an energy deficit, you can get a big spike in cortisol levels. Um, so your sleep might be affected, your recovery might be poor, you might be very irritable. That's pretty common for people who are pushing their diet too far or they're in a bit of an energy restriction. Again, if you're low on energy, you're low on everything. So you might have a crap exercise tolerance. You might be getting gassed very easily in a training session or finding that you know, you're not able to tolerate high workloads and you're not finishing long sessions or key sessions. And easy training feels much, much harder. That's a good sign that, okay, listen, we need to go back to maintenance here. If you're stuck to the bed in the morning, your sleep isn't doing it for you, you're excessively hungry. Or if you're a female, if you're losing your menstrual cycle or it's becoming longer or more drawn out, that can be a problem. Um, if you're a lad and you've pushed your energy restriction too far, you can have similar issues uh, downstairs in terms of, how would I say this? Uh, if it works or not, uh, <laughs> it's, you know, I don't mean to make it a taboo thing. I'm just an awkward dude, but uh, reproductive dysfunction is a, is a common side effect of over restricting energy. And it can happen pretty easily if you're at very low levels of body fat is you use fat to make steroid sex hormones. And if you don't have the ingredients to make them, you don't have them. So things like estrogen, testosterone, progesterone, even adrenaline, you literally can't synthesize, synthesize them even. You cannot synthesize them if you don't have the raw ingredients to do so. This is more so a problem for people who are like five, 6% body fat. And, you know, just to point out, yes, some Tour de France cyclists are that weight on race day, but it's only on race day that's a periodized thing that's like looking at uh someone in the peak of their life and assuming that they perform like that every goddamn day all the time not the case so as with performance weight is also periodized at times to match the goals of an athlete so oft oftentimes an athlete will be within two to four percent of their their target race weight and you know, even a fighter, for example, a fighter with a good nutritionist never has to do silly water cuts or any stupid shit like that. Um, and it's always a pity to see when that has to happen. Because here's a fact, cutting weight and optimizing performance, those are not two things you can do con con uh, currently and have optimal for both. You can't do those things at the same time. You can experience higher performances with weight loss for a short period of time so about six to eight weeks it's a bit of a honeymoon period where it doesn't really fully kick in that you're depleting your stores your cortisol is massive you're breaking down slowly slowly and even in an eating disorder what can often happen is when someone over restricts or they really drop their calorie intake that huge spike in cortisol, catecholamines and adrenaline, so you're running on fumes, adrenaline, maybe even coffee, makes you feel artificially good, okay? So that's where people can mistake, oh, I lost 10 pounds in one week and I felt class. It was artificial. There's no way you were operating at full capacity for that. 
I hope that makes sense. So again, your brain is pretty class. You know, it, it makes you function by any means necessary. And if you lose weight by any means necessary, some of the aforementioned things can make you feel artificially good. That's not the same thing as it being good for you. And that's a great example of lived experience and human observation being a crap way to judge how useful or good something is. I'm going to knock it on the head there for this week. If you're still listening, thank you for doing so. I hope you found this episode insightful, helpful, useful, gave you food for thought. Pardon the pun again. If you think you might want some help with this, I'm not sure if you're aware, but I have an online clinic that I run. So one-to-one consultations and weight loss, weight optimization, body composition. It's one of the few things we would actually look at, set KPIs and targets for, and make a plan accordingly to hit those goals. You can book in at any time. It's done via Zoom. There's an awful lot of data gathered on you before we ever talk. So oftentimes when I have a consultation with a client, by the time we actually come to chat, I was going to say face-to-face, but laptop-to-laptop as it is now, I know more about you than you would. And typically people find it very useful if they're only looking to tweak a few things. That's an option that's there if you're interested. Also, just to point out again, there are currently two spaces on my online coaching in June. It's starting mid-June for those who are potentially interested as I'm getting married actually in two weeks time. So Friday, two weeks, I'm getting married, 4th of June. So I'm off for those two weeks. But back with a bang mid-June to start off my new online coaching intake. If you follow me on Instagram, there's a link there so you can register your interest. And it just brings you to this place where you book a phone call and we can chat about your goals. And that's literally step one. It doesn't cost you anything. If you think you might be interested, go onto my Instagram at elinchfitnut. Register your interest right there. These things will all be in the show notes anyways. So yeah, that's it, lads. Have a great week. Don't do any stupid things to lose weight. If you see a coach telling people to lose weight, call him an asshole and, uh, you know, tell him I'm coming for him. <laughs> no, don't, don't do that. I'm not, I'm not very good at fighting. So you know, I don't want any angry coaches gunning for me, but you get my point. Um, yeah, that's it. If you like the podcast, tell a friend, tag me in a story, share it. I'm literally only getting started with this. It's in its infancy. So any help with growing it and getting my my following up is greatly appreciated. To those of you who are still listening from episode one, you're my OG listeners. Appreciate you. Thank you very much. Guys, have a class week. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.